0: Hello and welcome to another episode of 99 Problems But A Boss Ain't One. I'm Katie Carlisle, one of your co-hosts, and I've been freelance for over five years running a Squarespace training and web design business. My name is Michelle
1: Pratt. I'm your other co-host, and I run a coaching and training business called Dive Deeper Development.
0: And I always feel like we sound a little bit like the contestants on University Challenge when we introduce ourselves. Oh, well, I was thinking like the two Ronnies. <laughs> 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 or maybe when we close off with. <laughs> so today we are going to be talking about the problem of advice avalanche.
1: Yes, I think we all, most people have come across an advice avalanche if you've ever set up your own business and what we got us talking about this one is that we know that if you are starting a business or perhaps it's uh, to, you know new year and maybe you are thinking this is the year I go self-employed or I go a bit of freelance or maybe you are taking your business to the next level and taking it up a notch or scaling upwards, there is no shortage of people out there willing to dispense their well-thought-out advice, telling you how to run your business. And sometimes it's a bit overwhelming, the sheer volume of it, just how forcefully some people share it. And of course, uh, a lot of it is conflicting as well. And although it is almost always well-meaning, I don't think most people try to intimidate you with their business advice, Some sometimes it's a bit Peacocking going on, but it can, or sometimes, feel intimidating. I think that they try and impress upon you certain rules for business that they've learnt the hard way, perhaps, and uh, they try to make help you avoid their mistakes. Of course, these this advice is based on their experience. It
0: may not be fit for purpose. So I thought we could talk about that a bit today. Definitely, and I think it can actually not only just kind of confuse you. It can actually make you really doubt yourself and make you feel bad because if they've told you you should be doing this thing and you're trying and you're not quite getting there. then it's really easy to to go oh okay well I must be wrong then I must be it must be me yeah and and I think that is the default reaction for a lot of people it's like oh okay well I mean I'm, I'm following this advice and this person's doing really well and so it's clearly my fault that I'm not doing it right. Yes, yeah, so I'm not doing business the same way they're doing yeah. business. So yeah, so really absolutely. Devorizing.
1: So what we thought we'd do is go over some of the kind of uh, bits of advice or themes that people or traps that people fall into, and basically we will probably tell you not to worry about them. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and
0: to find your own path. But um, and I am super paranoid now that over the last like 13 episodes, we've totally given out loads of advice. So, so like quite open ended. Like yeah, disclaimer klaxon that obviously this is just our experience in us talking about how you might overcome problems it's not a prescription
1: yeah and hopefully we don't (laughs) tell people how to run their business but give them some ideas of how they could run their business so that's one of the things that occurred to me then katie is when i told people i was going to go self-employed i did get some really good advice and support from people who already run their own business but the problem was i think some of those people were so successful and so good at what they do and they'd learned some really core business lessons which are really valuable and were trying to impress them upon me I think with good intention to try and help me set my business off on the right foot so I wouldn't have to struggle I think part of the problem was though that some of that stuff came across as so dogmatic that it made me pause, hold off putting off a business. So I think one of the ones was uh, the idea of what a proper business is. So some people say or a proper business does this or a proper business does that or there is a belief in some quarters that you're only running a proper business if you're earning passive income and they talk very disparagingly about trading time for money and I think I just got in my own head it's quite a nerve-wracking time leaving a job and setting up a business. I got it in my head well oh I'm not doing it properly it's not a proper business and I was so scared of putting a foot wrong I think I was dragging my heels and not really putting myself out there for fear of uh, well imposter syndrome we've we've discussed and I'm not you know I'm not really doing it properly um, and I think one of the other ones that, that came up was you know well you need to know who your customers are and what you're going to sell them and I'm not being funny but if you're starting from scratch and you've got a blank canvas going well who's your customer and what are their exact needs and how do you down <laughs> to find them how the hell am I supposed to know you know so um, I just didn't sell to anyone because or sell anything to anyone because I thought well, I don't know what I'm selling and I don't know who I'm selling it to of course the only way you're really going to find that out is to sell some stuff and work and out try. whether you like it and whether they like yeah. it and both people like it. You're laughing, but in reality, uh, one of the one of the two parties is not going to be 100 percent satisfied. Yeah, there. and
0: it's really interesting actually because in in kind of especially in the world of like kind of tech and development, there's this concept that I think we probably mentioned before about. Um, having a a minimum viable product so it's the idea that when you're developing say a new app or a new bit of software or something that you you make something that is basically the kind of most basic fundamental version of the app that's still usable and works so you get it out into the world so people can test it and give you their feedback so that means that rather than you spending three years crafting the most beautiful wonderful app based on your assumptions and then releasing it out to the world only to find that's not how people want to use it you start with a really kind of simplified version start getting feedback start getting input from people and then basically you're crafting something that you know people are really interested in and engaged with because you're getting that feedback or if you're finding you're putting it out there and everyone's like we don't get it this is stupid then you know that maybe that's not how it needs to be and then that's time to either say right okay we're going to shelve that project or back to the drawing board or let's make some tweaks so that it's clearer what it does for people and it helps to avoid you wasting loads of time on stuff and that's a really you know that's a really well used kind of way of working in the tech industry but you don't really hear about minimum viable freelancing very often no not at all and I think that the, it's it's an odd dis- You know, disparity between how we work as freelancers because I don't think there is as much advice around kind of, oh, yeah, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, then just try something and see, you know, put it out there and then get feedback from people and listen. And I think there is sometimes an expectation from people who are giving you advice that you have to know what you're doing from day one. And like, I don't know. I don't know about you but like, when I first went freelance I just wanted to be freelance I didn't really know what I wanted to do I just knew I wanted to be my own boss and, yeah. and actually my business plan to start with was that I was going to um, so my previous job was working in the charity sector and um, basically doing kind of technical support and some web stuff for a uh, nonprofit and so my idea was to basically be that person for lots of other charities so for people who couldn't afford to pay somebody full-time or even part-time I could go in once a month to their premises or remotely support them and help them with updating the website and setting other emails and um, auditing the systems to make sure that they were using the tools that were right for them and not overpaying for stuff and things like that so that was my business model when I first started I just never got a chance to do it because the web stuff took off before I got to that point but it's you know if, if, if someone had said to me that that question of oh you know here's your audience and I would have have known okay it's the charity sector and things but that it might have almost kind of steered me down a path that I wouldn't really have enjoyed as much as what I do now so I think it's really risky to make people shoehorn themselves at the early stages of freelancing. It is
1: and do you know what it's good advice it's absolutely true I mean the the more you know your your customer the more you know your crowd the more specific the, the product is to their needs that's good advice yes when people have a burning need and you can say here's that here's here's what i do i meet your burning need for a living yes you're going to make money that way yes you're going to have a successful business but most people don't start off that way and i think it's kind of like the do something principle you know you you, you think oh well, when i know what i want to do then i'll then i'll go out there and do it no you need to go out there and do it and then you'll know what it is that you want to do yeah and i think it's pretty i meet mean, a lot of trainers or coaches and you know for example take coaching if you've done a course for a particular kind of coaching or therapy or particularly modality or NLP or CBT or whatever, um, you don't have to make the whole leap. You could just start helping friends to begin with. You could just do it an hour a week. You could just do one client a month, you know, just to, to, to get things ticking over. You can ease yourself in and you might start really broad and you'll very quickly learn which clients really excite you and which
0: ones are probably not, you know, your cup of tea. And I think that's something that, again, people have really polarising opinions on and, and that you get a lot of advice around. Some people will say, oh, you absolutely should not go freelance until you've made enough money doing it part-time as a side hustle, air quotes. Um, or, or, or you know, like, like I was literally listening to a podcast of, um, you know, someone I really like, I really like their podcast, I really respect it. But they were saying, oh, yeah, you don't, don't ever just jump in as a freelancer. Always make sure you kind of... Do it, you know, work part time and, and get get to a point where you've got enough money, and only when you're earning enough money to leave your job can you then go freelance. and I was really surprised because I was like, oh, okay, that's actually, you know, to, to outright say this is what you must do. Yeah, it's just, it's so, it's right for some people and it's not right for other people. Other people say, oh no, you have to go full, you have to really commit to it, otherwise, you're not going to be given the it all time your to make the money to be and, able to survive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and psychologically, like, yeah, you know, you need to have the fear of failure to be able to really kind of push yourself forwards and everything and yeah i just it it's so it's so interesting and actually for me i i kind of you know wanted the the latter because i i knew that if i had any excuse to to not try, then I would probably take it. But it's not that one is right and one is wrong. wrong. yeah. I mean that that advice sounds like it came from someone who
1: struggled financially. Yeah. And no doubt that there's like a fear in the side of them, and they don't want other people exactly. to fear that like fear you say or have that struggle.
0: Well-meaning.
1: You know, and the people who took the leap probably go, yeah, take the leap. You know, it's like that advice Joey gave friends in uh, Ra- Joey gave Rachel in Friends, where he said that he, he would always find other acting jobs because he was scared of not having another. Actor acting job so Rachel quit a job and couldn't find another full <laughs> employment. Um, a friends reference, there we go. Um so so, so, some people that works. For some people, it, it absolutely scares the crap out of them. They won't start, but it paralyzes them with fear. So, there's no right or wrong answer with, with that. And, you know, asking someone, niches and asking someone, what's your business plan? What's your strategy? And you don't even know what you're doing. You don't even know you should be limited or sold or whether you should, you know, how do you even do this business? Do I need a name? Do I? <laughs> All this stuff going around your head. So, someone to ask you, what's your strategy? What's your plan? What's your mission statement? It's really overwhelming. It's true, these things make a good business. But if you haven't got them, it doesn't mean you can't start. It's like putting a kid in a call centre at 16 and say, tell me your career path. They don't know, do they? They (laughs) Nobody does. And it's the same when you're a freelancer too.
0: And I think as well, sometimes, you know, some people go freelance because they've been made redundant or they've, you know, they've managed to save up a little bit and they've actually got a bit of a financial buffer. And literally the whole plan is to use that financial buffer and that time to work out what they want to do. And I think there's a risk in kind of being forced to decide too quickly sometimes. And if you have got the luxury of it, then again, there's nothing wrong with that. Or if you just, yeah, want to leap in and start trying something, that's cool too. And yeah. so, yeah, it's it's so funny so what other what other things did you get told or have you heard of uh, well one we've talked
1: about and we'll probably talk about again no doubt is like working for free oh you should never do any work for free when you get started <laughs> and then I've, we've met people haven't we at freelance folk who who do work for free and they feel bad like oh I really suck at this because I'm working for free but well, actually some of those people are are getting either experience I mean genuine profile not like It's for the exposure air quotes, but they're genuinely getting um, cutting their teeth on a project where they will get profile for it or it will look good on their CV or portfolio. But also for some people, if they're a bit nervous or they don't believe they're good enough. Yes, there's coaching you can do to help you with your self-belief. But for some people, just doing a project where there's no pressure of high value contracts just to prove to themselves and to have a testimonial to be able to case study that's just that little bit that they need to prove them to themselves. I mean, if you're doing that a year down the line and you're still not earning anything, fine. But I think to start off with, if you do a bit of free work, and I've actually spoken to other people that say, yes, do do free work. And I think that depends on industry to industry as well. I mean, in training, for example, or coaching, I would well coaching maybe you could start for free if you wanted i would charge something even if it's a nominal amount but training for example you wouldn't go into the corporate world and train corporate clients for free that would just be weird so that's probably not appropriate i'd say no don't they've got the money and and they should pay for your time so it depends sometimes on the industry certain industries you need to get your
0: foot in the door sometimes and i think as well is it's kind of it's not this black and white kind of you either do no work you know do no free work which is you know i think that's probably the most kind of divisive subject in the freelance community is people who say no the, you know, there are campaigns called no free work but that is more aimed at the sort of larger clients that i think expect freelancers to people. work on, on do competitions and work on spec and stuff um but you know those th- there is there are grey areas and sliding scales in between, always charging full rate and never doing free work. So there are skill swaps that you can do, so that you're, you know, you are still getting value from somebody. And yeah, you know, yeah, there are nominal amounts you can charge, so that people have, again, people value the work. It's like with events. If you if you have a free event, you're lucky if you get fifty percent of people showing up because they haven't put value into it because there's nothing at stake from them if people have paid even like you know 50 quid or 25 quid or whatever it is they've put something of theirs at stake and they've got kind of i think you've you've used the phrase skin in the game michelle yeah yeah you've got to have that yeah and i think you know that way then then people can still feel like they're getting you know both people then feel good about it so like this is what one of the things I was saying earlier. Like the ideal kind of client or the ideal customer is the one who um, is is the one where you feel like you're getting a great rate and you're really getting you know you're getting kind of your costs covered and you feel like oh, I can't believe I was able to charge that much. But they feel like they're getting a great deal and they're thinking, oh how reasonable. <laughs> can't, yeah, can't believe we got it for that cheap. And actually, that's the ideal kind of middle. But people got value. Yeah, exactly. And when you're starting out, yeah, know, you do you do lack the confidence and you maybe don't have the expertise and so. I think it's probably natural to certainly charge a bit bit less. But again, it's not... Some people just start as they mean to go on and start start high. And again, it's you know we are going to be we are going to be keep kind of repeating ourselves to say there's no right or wrong answer. Yeah, I mean yeah, <laughs> but, absolutely. And and again, this advice is
1: good. It is true. Um, it, as Casey says, if people have skin in the game, then they're going to value you more. So yes, it's good to charge your the what you want. And I think it is good advice to start by asking for what you want. You can always be, negotiate down, but I would definitely start there. And we've done other podcasts on why you should know your value yeah um so this is true this is all absolutely true and yes it is hard to put your rates up but it's not impossible. Um, And so if you are getting value in some other way, you know, from a testimonial, a case study, a recommendation, a showcase, um, or you just want to do it for your own experience, or you're just passionate about the project and it makes you happy, then you're not a failure, you're not a loser. If, or you haven't had, you know, you're not a mug if someone's got you to do it for free, if you're getting something out of it too. So don't, yeah, don't let that put you off from
0: doing things that might be quite appealing. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, you know, I think some people like to just have a cause to champion, and sometimes it's that, and or or sometimes you know it's 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 something that normally something that went wrong for them, and then they kind of latch onto it, and and that becomes their thing. That like no, you must always do this, you must always do this, and like you say, it's it's well meaning, and it's good advice. And it's, yeah, it's good advice. I think sometimes though, there are some people who just who just they're not doing it in a well-meaning way. And the advice that i isn't even one that has been set off accidentally, but with good intent. I think sometimes people just want to kind of make you feel like they know more than you. Well, they like or, to feel important. Yeah. And it happens sometimes
1: at networking events or in, in groups where you go along.
0: I, <laughs> I once had. So when I first started my business, I um, booked a stand at a show, at the business startup show at the Excel conference in uh, Manchester and I think I've told, talked about this in a previous episode basically had this like somewhat ramshackle stand with like cardboard furniture that I spray painted my logo and the words websites woo yeah on that I'd carted down on the train and it was all a bit a bit amusing um, and and genuinely this like old man in a suit Who didn't particularly look like a startup, so I'm not quite sure what he was doing. But yeah, startups come in all shapes and sizes. Um, He came over to me and literally told me off for not having sweets on my stand. Yeah, because that's the main thing. He was like, and he didn't use the words "young lady" and wag his finger, but he may as well have done. And he basically came over and said, "I think you should have sweets on your stand," and I was like thanks that's really helpful thanks for sharing my friend's just made a cardboard but thanks for that. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I was like, yeah i like that that's what you're really focusing on um and, and so yeah some people will just will just zoom in on you and just tell you what they think you need to know
1: and do you, do you know what like you say if he's a, an old gentleman in a suit and he's got quite a traditional view or quite a fixed view of how things are he's probably not your customer you're quite quirky I don't mean that in a good way no no I, you're I quite embrace colourful you're quite personal so I'm wearing parrot earrings I'm quirky you are actually you are a bird theme today I like that I but what, what his expectations are what will make him buy is probably not what will make your customers buy and this is the other thing as well quite often people aren't in the same business as you or even if they're in the same industry they're running a different model you might want to go for fewer clients um but better quality you might be going for clients that make your heart sing you might be going for a particular niche someone else might be going for full-on profit as much money as i humanly can we've both seen people that look very successful at getting lots of customers but make no money for some reason which is like okay fine um we don't know how you've managed it but we see this happen and then we also see people who i sometimes think i'm that person yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I think I come across as more successful than they actually are like but I don't mean to it's actually
1: measured by money but then we met, you know we meet people um as well who are really happy have everything they need and it, you know, it's just different ends of the scale isn't it just people you can't really compare other people run their business differently no, exactly. some people are prepared to work every hour God sends to make as much money as possible to make their their business as big as possible yeah I don't want the world's biggest business and I would not sacrifice time or my quality of life for extra money yeah and some people day. are
0: more willing to compromise on their values or or the kind of clients that they work with in order to get the money and it's yeah it's, it's really different for everybody and i think that's really kind of interesting because one of the things that i found was yeah when i first started out as a freelancer i was kind of trying to find you know people to tell me what to do because <laughs> yeah. that's the problem is that that you know the advice is out there because people want it and people want to know what to do but it's how you f- find the right advice so so I, I think I think I think the advice I was kind of you know looking at and I, you know I signed up to do a course and and all of that and and I think it just wasn't really aimed at, it was it was more kind of digital nomad type people and who, who just kind of a bit like you know Tim Ferris type people who were just like wanting to go and travel the world and and hustle and, and all that. And I'm just like, and it just wasn't, it just wasn't for me. But one of the things that I found was when I did find somebody whose business model resonated with me. That's right. It wouldn't be a podcast episode if I didn't talk about my love for Paul Jarvis. Yeah. When I found Paul Jarvis, thank you to also. Thanks to Nicola Warwick, now Nicola Fisher, um, who put me onto him, and she also gave me another good bit of advice, which I will come back to. Um, but but yeah, like find finding somebody who whose words and business and approach really resonated with me was so helpful because it made me feel like I wasn't going mad because some of my ideas about business based on what I'd been reading in the circles I was looking in made me feel like oh I'm not like like you said I'm not doing this properly like they were talking about okay how are we going to get to our first hundred thousand and all of this and I was like I just want enough to be able to like have Live. a nice life and just chill out a bit yeah. and like do my little side projects and stuff like, as long as I can pay the bills then I'm, I'm kind of cool with that and so finding finding Paul Jarvis um, was really nice because he, he sends out regular newsletters on a Sunday and some of them are quite short but he kind of just shares you know his thoughts on business and everything and all of a sudden I was just like oh my god when he sends them out I'm literally like nodding and I had quite a few times where I'd have a conversation with somebody in the week and then his newsletter would come out on Sunday and it would basically reinforce exactly what I'd said to that person the number of times I forwarded his emails going see this is what I was trying to tell you about you know about the ideas about growth because another bit of advice people always say is oh you should take on staff or you should you know you should try and grow and and I was like oh actually I'm kind of okay just being a freelancer and just a soul trader and yeah. or whatever and that doesn't make you any less of a business and so it was really nice hearing somebody that kind of felt the same way But that also meant that when I wasn't sure about something, if there was something that he if there was some advice that he gave, I was much more willing to take that on and actually act upon that because I I know that his approach is very similar to how I want to run my business. And so I think that was key for me was actually finding somebody whose approach resonated with me, somebody not even in the same industry necessarily, that where I think, like, actually, I agree with enough of this person's values and approach that when they do give advice, it's worth me listening. Yeah,
1: and I think it's a good point there, Katie. I think you're so desperate for advice. You want someone to tell you what you should do, (sighs) and there are no shortage of people out there telling you what to do. So uh, a lot of people go to the local business centres if the council runs one. A lot of people, your bank, if you set up a business bank account, will have some kind of business accelerator hub type, I don't know, work co-working space um there's organizations you can join and they may be aimed so broadly that not everything they do will be aimed at you but others are aimed specifically or they get their funding specifically if you take on staff and grow and that may not be the direction you go in so just because they're for new businesses doesn't mean they're going to be a good fit for you so don't worry about that and the same if you're scaling up you know if we know we've got experienced freelancers to us if they're looking to scale or take on staff or go to the next level again you'll have no shortage of people coming to you with advice it's like you say you've got to find the right advice for you and for what resonates and you know I I found I finally found a group of people that were my crowd who do what I do and I remember being on a call the the lady offered a course so I joined her course for new for new starters and this is after been going for a a couple of years and then I remember asking her do I have a business and she (laughs) (laughs) Michelle based on what you told me we're doing yes you have a business (laughs) oh is that a business then (laughs) yes that's what a business is (laughs) oh I didn't really think of it as a business well you sell services you just sell to other businesses sometimes you know it's like ah yeah, I suppose I need to. No, you just start using that word in my mind. I need to start yeah. thinking that way. So it-, it can really put you off. So the other thing I- I- I've mentioned there, Katie, on that people giving you advice left, right, and centre, and finding the right ones, I've put it down here as all those bloody courses, because everybody, <laughs> if you go on YouTube and you see the adverts and you get them via your your mail if you sign up for things you're so desperate and so scared how do i scale up how do i take on scale how do i start Uh, people will sell you courses marketing courses that promise you that the the way to get clients is only you have the right process and a funnel then you will have clients (laughs) coming out your ears and they'll all be high playing clients and you need to set up your email thing and your landing page and you need to get the you know get them into your funnel and press this button and then clients come out the other end and everybody's (laughs) running one and they're telling you you need to go on facebook five times a day or each different social media five times a day you need to be blogging ten times a week and you need to doing podcasting every other week and 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 all of this stuff and it's actually some of it is great if that's the kind of business you want i don't particularly want to do a funnel type system so i signed up some of these courses i learned some great skills about marketing not that you'll notice if you've seen my marketing i learned some great skills or at least at least learned what these things were and how they are done but actually word of mouth personal relationships is far more powerful i get to work with who i'm going to want to work with Uh, we can talk about money and value that we're both happy with and I get to manage my time and I do stuff that's passionate. I don't really want to be at a laptop living the laptop lifestyle. Yeah. So so there's lots of bloody courses and actually yeah. one
0: of the things I, and, and they all make the same assumption, I think. Some of the a lot a lot of these courses make the same assumption and that it is again going back to that growth and the marketing side of it. I'm a bit like you Michelle, like we've both said before we're not neither of us feel like we're particularly brilliant it's at marketing, marketing is, are we? <laughs> no. But I think we, I think we are, it's just actually how we market is different. Yeah, a bit more personal. We, we Our marketing is through delivering a good job and having people that like working with us so they tell other people. And that's actually why. that's, you know, that that probably is marketing, but we're not really acknowledging that it yes, is. Yes,
1: that's true, because we don't have a marketing machine. We don't, we don't we don't, have the
0: system, <laughs> the a trusted system that we use. Yeah. But I think there is, you know, that you will find that there are people with... Um, not agendas exactly some people's agendas will be to make money for themselves through you um, you know it's it's kind of like oh you can learn how to make six figures from me selling a course that's going to earn me six figures that <laughs> cost six figures yeah <laughs> and it's like no sometimes these people just you know have agendas. sometimes it's well meaning but they're just they're focused on an area that's not right for you yeah and some of those courses are really good but yeah. that's not that's just one way to do business so. and the other thing is it's really tempting when you first start out and you are craving that advice is to just do a ton of courses but then that kind of almost reinforces the idea that oh I'm not ready yet I'm not good enough yeah. to bra- I I don't know enough to be able to go and and be a freelancer yet yeah. I'm still cooking like I you know stick a fork in you you're done yeah so it's that like okay well once once I feel more confident about this then I'll go and get a client I'll just need to do this with the course and then I'll get a client yeah I and actually f- like yes learning is really important it's obviously one of the kind of things that they always say when you talk to successful people, they're they're focused on their learning and development, you're a coach, obviously you do a lot of training around development, that's really important. But I think at some point, you also just have to start, and then you can carry on learning alongside your work rather than using it as an excuse. At it's some point, so it's, you have to stop asking for advice and trust true. yourself. It's true. And that's my advice. Well, Take I... it or leave it. <laughs> and there, that, that's
1: the gospel truth. I did end up coaching a coach at a networking event once um, because she hadn't because I didn't have any clients yet, but she'd done about five courses. And she was really good. She was like, she she knew her stuff. She clearly knew it. And, <laughs> and she had some really good ideas, and people were actually asking her to for help (laughs) (laughs) please can i help you i really want your service and yet still i need to do another course so yeah i mean it's 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 tempting particularly if you're feeling lost oh but you know oh i must do this course that will teach me you don't need to know everything about marketing or sales or websites or finances you do need to know that stuff at some point you need some knowledge but you don't need to learn it all before you start
0: yeah and i think i'd probably just i probably just finish by saying that if you find somebody who gives you advice and you try that advice and it works then hey let them know cuz that's really helpful for them is. to know so like the lady i mentioned earlier Nicola Warwick now Nic- Nicola Fisher um she she was the one that said um she'd gone on my website and had a looked at it and she said it just doesn't seem like you it's like i don't i don't it's a bit of a mismatch between you and your website like it's your website seems a bit corporate because I'd done that mistake of thinking oh, I should talk about myself as we and like yeah, yeah, again yeah, yeah, yeah. an advice you know, don't write about yourself in the third per- first person sound like, bigger oh, okay. than you are So I'm, okay right and she's like it just doesn't feel like you the disconnect and that was so helpful that that advice was great so now I'll go back to her so again if you've got if you find somebody whose advice actually works for you then yeah you know like it's you know go back to go back to them and I think people really like like to know that they have helped you as well yeah I compare like with like, which is yeah, yeah better. What so about you? It. What would what would be your one tip if you had to say one tip in terms of dealing with the advice after lunch? How can you maybe one final question actually. How can you politely go say thank you for the advice even if you really know you don't want to take it? I just
1: say thank you. <laughs> I, would, I would just honestly just say, thank no, thank you, I pretty appreciate that, but not in a way that invites the person to then follow up with, with, with much more, or you could just say, look, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out, actually, you know, I know you don't want me to struggle, but actually part of the struggle is part of the journey, and actually, I appreciate any help, but go. I also want to discover for myself Amazing. as well. perfect answer. Struggle so is part of the journey. And do you know what, <laughs> some, some of the best advice i got is just, you know, what do you want to be in business for, and just know what you want to do, and, and what your measure of success is, and then just... just start, start, just start, start. just start.
0: We We will finish by saying, just Just start. start. (laughs) And that's the only bit we're going to insist on advising people to do. Yeah, do something. (laughs) So that's it for today's episode of Ninety Nine Problems, but a boss ain't one. You can get alerted to new episodes by subscribing to wherever you listen to podcasts. So search for Ninety Nine Problems, and we're there, us and Jay Z on Spotify. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm expecting of...
1: we're probably peering above here. Yeah, right I think now. so now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: um, and you can get in touch with us on Twitter. I'm at the wheel exists. That's me, Katie Carlisle. And I'm at
1: Dive Deep Dep, D D I V E D E P D E V P. So there we go. And we started with the two Ronnies. Maybe we should finish. So it's good night from her. And <laughs> it's good night from her. Good night. Good night.